0: Testify. (laughs) That's the word that we're going to lean into today. Testify. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people depending on which church you may be attending. Let me share. So I grew up in a liturgical church and they would say that they bear witness of God. That God came in the flesh, that God died on the cross for their sins, and that he, rose, uh, that he rose again. And they do that just by simply gathering. They bear witness, and that's true. And in their worship services, they would have a time of confession, and it was a written-out uh, written prayer that everyone would read out loud. And it was good. And then they would go into a time of, this is what we believe, and that would sound something like this, we believe in God the Father. Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And it would continue in that vein. And they would say that this is how we testify. And it's true. And then I went to another church when I was younger. And this other church, Sunday night, was testimony night. I didn't say it right. Sunday night, you're going to testify. That's what they said. Okay? So here's how that worked. The first night I'm there... Remember, I came from a liturgical background. This is kind of weird. There's this extended time of singing again in the the liturgical church. Again, I'm not talking about right and wrong. It's just right and left kind of stuff. And this is one of those times where there were a lot of songs for this guy. They're going to just keep singing all night, I guess. I don't know. And so at the end of this time, the pastor would get up and he'd say, it's time to testify. Who's going to testify of God's goodness? Who's going to testify of the hope that we have in Jesus? Who's going to testify? And the smith stood up. And the smith said, I want to give God all the honor and all the praise because he is good. We've been praying for someone at my work to show up. Indeed, we hired somebody. I've been mentoring this person. And yesterday they gave their life to Jesus. And I want to give God all the praise. And everybody started clapping. And then there was this older man. And he stood up. And his countenance was a little heavier. And he said, I want to give God all the praise. For six months, my wife has been in glory, and she's perfect, and she is whole, and she is healthy, and though I miss her, I know that God has her, and I just want to testify tonight that God has been protecting me, that God has been working in my life, and that God has provided, and everybody clapped and said amen. And then Mike, the guy that was standing right here that I came with, he testified, and he said, I want to give God all the honor and praise because God is so good, he brought Kenny here tonight, and I went... What? <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. That scared me a little bit. I thought I was going to have to say something. But I will say this. Because there were men and women who stood up and they testified of what God was doing, two weeks later, I received Jesus as my Savior. Because men and women weren't scared to testify. Because the church was not afraid to testify. And I'm going to tell you something uh, Today. You're going to get the opportunity to testify. Now before your palms start sweating and you get nervous, (laughs) let me encourage you. We're going to walk through it together. It will be painless, but it is going to give God some honor and glory and maybe a way that that we haven't done in a while. So we're going to try that out. Are you with me? Thank you, family. Uh, Anybody else with me? You with me? You're really willing to do this. Well, we're going to have some fun. Let's go to prayer. Jesus, we love you and we need you. We thank you and praise you because you are good all the time. And we testify, Lord, of your goodness and of your grace and of your mercy. And, Lord, we testify that you showed up. That, Lord, you didn't leave us in the dark, but you showed up and you brought light into the darkness. And, Lord, when you brought light into the darkness, you gave us hope. You gave us life and you gave us light. And Lord, you also gave us a responsibility, a plan, and a purpose. And as a part of that, we get to testify of who you are, that the world around us would know that you were sent, that you came in the flesh, that you died on the cross for our sins, that you rose from the grave, that you give life to anybody who would call on you. And so, Lord, we testify of that even now. And it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, testify, that kind of has a unique flavor to it. And again, depending on what church background you came from, or if you even came from a church background, that might mean a lot of different things. So let me first start with this. To testify weaves the story of God and connects the story of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, From the law and the prophets all the way to Jesus and the church and his return. That's a part of this testifying that we're talking about that is pulled together. Not only that, but God could have said, Okay, people, I want you to post on social media or use the best news outlet that you can to tell people about me. But that's not what he does. What he does do is he gives the responsibility and his own reputation to people to proclaim this good news. Now, it starts uh, in the Old Testament. So in the creation, right? In the creation, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. How do we know that? Because people testified And they identified what God has done in the times past. That message was given to the nation of Israel. And Israel was a steward of that nation. In fact, they were to be a a, a nation of priests that the nations around them would call on this God, this Elohim, El Shaddai, Hashem, Yahweh, that they would know him because of the testimony of this nation. Well, they veer off. Uh, there's some mission drift and they lose focus and God raises up some prophets. Uh, The first one is Moses and uh, Moses comes out and he proclaims uh, God and God's goodness and he reminds the people what God wants and there's a calibration and that goes on for a while and there's a mission drift and in that mission drift, there are other prophets that raise up and these prophets proclaim the word of the Lord to align them back to where God wants them to be. Ultimately, Jesus shows up and is the, the example of God in the flesh, the example of, of knowing what God, what God even means. And then he gives his reputation to the church and the churches to then share that message, Jews and Gentiles, to share that message of the Messiah to the world, a message of hope, a message of light in the darkness, light to us. But before all of that happened, we have these messages from some prophets. And especially over this Christmas time, I think it's important for us to pause and look at those messages and identify the, the uh, testimony, the bearing witness of people to identify this God, this light in the darkness. It's our responsibility to do that. So let's look at some passages. And I'm just going to go through them kind of quick, so if you're a note taker, and you want to like, I'm going to go back and look at these, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the verse, then I'll give you the, the prophecy, then I'll go back to the verse, okay? So if you're a writer, I'm going to go through about 13 of these pretty quick. Are you ready? Great. Genesis three fifteen, the Messiah would be born of a woman. That's Genesis three fifteen. Micah five two, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Micah five two. Isaiah seven fourteen, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14, Genesis 12, 3, and Genesis 22, 18. The Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. That's Genesis 12, 3, and Genesis 22, 18. The Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac, Genesis 17, 19, Genesis 21, 12. Uh, and then the Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob, Numbers twenty four seventeen. Also, in Genesis forty nine ten, the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49, 10. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13 and Isaiah 9:7, the Messiah would be heir to D- King David's throne. That's 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13, and Isaiah 9:7. Psalm 45, 6 and 7, and Daniel 2:44, the Messiah's throne will be anointed and eternal. That's Psalm 45, 6 and 7, Daniel 2, 44. Isaiah 7:14, again, Messiah will be called Emmanuel, God with us. That 's Isaiah 714, Hosea 11 1. the Messiah would spend a season in Egypt, Hosea 11 1. jeremiah 31 15, a massacre of children would happen at messiah 's birthplace, Jeremiah 31 15. Isaiah forty, verse three through five, a messenger would prepare the way for the Messiah, Isaiah forty, verse three through five. This is what we 're realizing as we come into this season. Uh, this Christmas season sometimes we get so focused on the manger and we should like that's that's a great thing but we can't miss the broader story and that's what John is bringing us into we're going to be in three main passages in just a moment and I want to encourage you to follow along I'll tell you what they are now and then we'll work through them together the first one is John chapter one so we'll be in John chapter one We will also be in Matthew 11 and we'll be in John chapter 3. So John chapter 1, Matthew 11, and John chapter 3 is where we're going to go here in just a few moments. Now please understand that as these prophecies were given, there is this this prophet who is to come. This messenger who's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And his name is John. John the Baptist. Now... Sometimes, you know, there are a lot of names in Scripture, so it's easy to get confused, like, which John is which? The author of the Gospel of John is different. That's John the Apostle, or John the Disciple, or the Beloved. It's different than John the Baptist. Two different people. John the Baptist is uh, a relative of Jesus, a distant relative of Jesus. He's born six months prior to Jesus. His dad was a priest. Uh, John went out into the wilderness and proclaimed God by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom is here, even now. And that was a big message uh, for the children of Israel in those days. He is identifying something, and this something that he is identifying is letting us know that the Messiah is here. So let's go ahead and look at John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to bounce around a little bit in John chapter 1 as we talk about who this John is. Who is John? Well, he's one who comes to testify. Starting in verse 6, this is what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness, there's that word. By the way, testify, witness, those are the same words, depends on your translation. So if you have your pen or a highlighter, you can underline that word. John came as a witness to bear witness, there it is again, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John's whole purpose The whole reason John shows up on the scene is to bear witness about the light, to prepare the way of the Lord so that people are going to get to know uh, Jesus. When they see Jesus, they'll know he's the Messiah. Skip down to verse 19, if you would. Verse 19, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? Now note that because this is going to come back up again. Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now, again, this is a big message. John is identifying uh, his prophetic role, or really the answer to a prophetic message, that he's the one who's coming to prepare the way of the Lord. So look, keep your eyes open, watch and see what God will do. He's testifying. He's testifying. Go ahead and skip now back to Matthew chapter 11. So in the New Testament, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Go to chapter 11 as you're turning there. Uh, I want you to recognize, John is bold. He has no problem with calling people out. He does it all the time. He's baptizing people, and they come and they're asking him questions. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you? Like, that's not a great way to win friends and influence people. But John has no problem calling them out. Like, this is sin. And either... Either you're going to follow God and walk with him, or you're not going to follow God. And if you're not going to follow God, then I have a responsibility to call it out. And John does that. In fact, he does it so much that he calls out the government. The government doesn't appreciate John calling him out. And they throw him in jail, and eventually John's going to give his life. So John is going to give his life because he is not going to sway from the truth one way or the other. However, as he's in jail, he sends out this message, and this message is, did did I miss the Messiah? Is Jesus really him? Have you ever doubted in the dark what you know to be true in the light? I have. Yeah, there have been those times where just, I know that I know that I know that I know that something is true, and then dark, like bad times come, difficult times come, and I'm like, oh, did I really know that? Is it true? That's what John is going through. And John goes through this and and, and asks this difficult question. The disciples come back and they report that to Jesus. And Jesus has a response. And Jesus is going to tell us what he thinks of this guy, John. Verse 7 is where we're going to pick it up at. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. By the way, that's Malachi 3.1, and Jesus is using that passage, and if you were to take some time and read Malachi 3.1, you'd also know that Jesus is identifying himself as the Messiah with this passage. Verse 11. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So here's the issue. Jesus is, is uh, identifying who this John is. And that John is preparing the way for the Messiah. John is giving testimony. He's testifying about who the Messiah is. And we see that really clearly uh, in John chapter 1 towards the end. Towards the end, uh, well, let's just go there. Let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter one. This is this is by the way, if you're wondering about how to build a ministry, John John doesn't follow a textbook way of doing it. Like this is not a great way of building a ministry, and that is saying, hey, look, someone better than me. You should go follow them. That's not a great way to build your ministry, but that's what John does. Look look at this in verse twenty nine. So John chapter one verse twenty nine. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John saying, uh, contextually, he's identifying, there's the Messiah. And this Messiah... He's, going to, he's not going to cover sins like the sacrifices we do in the temple. He's taking sins away. This is the one we've been hoping for. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. Behold, look. Now, here's what happens His disciples start to follow Jesus. Not a great way to, uh, to build your ministry. But John's not, he's not worried about that piece of it. Skip over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 27. John chapter 3, verse 27. That's page 994 in my Bible. Uh, It's probably not in yours, but it is in mine. Uh, You don't even have to pay extra for that. Verse 27. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. So again, people, Jesus is baptizing. His disciples are upset. Your ministry is shrinking. His is growing. What do we want to do? And John says, what I've gotten, I've only received from God. And what, what Jesus has has only been given to him by God because he's the Messiah. Skip down to uh, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, my ministry is coming to an end. I've prepared a way for this Messiah. Go to verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John is pointing people to this blessed hope, the blessed hope of Jesus. Ultimately, for us as believers, he's coming back. We know he's returning for us. But right now we're looking at, we're looking at through the lens of the first advent, him arriving here on earth. And John is reminding us that the, the only way to eternal life is through Jesus the Christ. The only way. The only way is through Jesus. It's not going to be through all these sacrifices. It's not going to be through being a perfect person because we can't do that. But it is going to be through Jesus. And he's prepared a way for that Christ. For that one. John testifies. So what about us? What's our response as believers? What do we do with this? Well, remember again that this message is given to people to share. How do we know that uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? How do we know that? Because people shared. That message, they steward the reputation of God to others and that message has gone out and that message has continued and we've seen God at work throughout history, not just through the prophets, but in the Lord himself when he came in the flesh, when he died on the cross for our sins, when he conquered sin and death, when he rose from the grave and gave life to anybody who would call on him. We've seen this and we've shared this. You and I are here now because people have been doing this for 2,000 years. It's an amazing message that we've been given to Stuart. Uh, a professor, pastor, friend of mine, he would always say this. Kenny, don't forget to watch the elephant dance again. It's kind of a weird thing for say. Uh, the elephant danced again. So here's what he meant. The elephant danced again. Look at this. T-E-D-A-T, thoughts. Where are our thoughts going? Our thoughts lead to emotions. Where are our emotions going? Our emotions lead to desires. Where are our desires go? And our desires lead to actions. Where do they go? The elephant danced again. And so what we're learning here is that they need to line up with Scripture and we need to testify. Let's testify about these thoughts that we have that God is good, that God is at work, that God is doing something. And somehow that has this way of of calibrating us, of aligning us up, with God's word and who he is. And it takes us to then our emotions to say, God, you are good. Even when I don't feel like things are going great, God, I still know you're good. And we line back up, we calibrate back with the word of God and God's truth. And then our desires, if they start to, uh, if they start to catch on to mission drift, right? If they go away from where God, God, you are good. I testify of your goodness, of your mercies, of your love, And our desires line back up and then our actions follow suit. Are they consistent with God and his word? The elephant danced again. Testify. Testify is the message. We get this great opportunity every Christmas and Easter is such a fun time because it's like this time where the whole world pushes pause and maybe they're just celebrating Christmas because of gifts and Santa Claus, but we get this amazing stage where we get to tell them about the one who came in the flesh. The one who loved them so much who was willing to die on the cross for their sins. The one who loved them so much to die on the cross for their sins, who conquered sin and death, rose from the grave, and is willing to give life to anybody who would call on them. That the wrath of God doesn't have to remain on, on us, but that we can walk in freedom. It's an amazing message. And it's a message that we've been given to steward in this world. So in just a few moments, the worship team's going to come out. And they're going to, to sing a song. And a part of the song says, he has done great things. At the end of the song, I'm going to come back out. And I want to encourage you to fill in the blank. God has done great things. But I want you to fill in the blank. God has done great things by loving me, by giving me salvation, by loving my family, by drawing my kids to whatever it is. I want you to shout it out at that time. And I'll lead you during that time. Additionally, we're partners. So there is an individual responsibility that we have to testify. But we also get this corporate uh, responsibility and opportunity to testify. In other words, we're a team here. And I want to tell you, uh, um, Christmas Eve falls on the 24th this year, which is next, w- or next week. It's Thursday. Thursday, we have a Christmas Eve service here. And I want you to know that here and in Prior Lake, we're going to do everything we can to make Jesus big. We, we want people to hear about the light that has come into the darkness. We want people to know this amazing gift that's been given to us, and we're going to do everything we can to proclaim that gift and give opportunity for people to receive Jesus. So, testify. Would you be willing to invite someone, uh, maybe to share with a friend or family member to come? We're going to practice social distancing, and I get that this is a, a difficult time, and maybe they won't come, uh, but they certainly won't come if we don't ask. So I want to encourage you to ask. And give an opportunity for people to hear the testimony of the one who came in the flesh. Would you be willing to do that? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we need you. We thank you and we praise you. And Lord, even as we testify here today, we ask for uh, your work. uh, Your work to be done. That we would follow suit. Saints that have gone before us. That have pointed people to you, that we would grab a hold of the responsibility and even the reputation of the Lord and point people to you, to not be quiet, to not be slow, but to boldly proclaim proclaim the truth uh, of who you are and what you have done. So Jesus, with respect to that, we ask that you would be glorified. And that we would be able to see that you have done great things in our lives. And we would call out to you for that. And it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing this song together?